0: Welcome to the Retirement Risk Show. The best retirement interviews and advice with Dave Hall. Learn strategies to help you reduce and even eliminate the risks facing your retirement. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Dave Hall. I am your host. Here we are again talking about retirement, talking about that most enjoyable period that you can have in your lifetime if you set everything up correctly. It's a time where you get to get up early, you get to sleep in late, you get to do all those things that maybe you couldn't do during those working years or while you were raising a family because there were too many other commitments. Once you get into retirement, hopefully you've got the time to do all those things that you enjoy. And we're here to help make sure that it is a pleasurable time for We're here to help make sure that you get your finances in order, that you get every other aspect of your life in order to get you where you need to be. If you'd like to learn more about what we do, go to retirementriskadvisors.com. Here you'll get access to all of our education tools, my new book, all those other things that we have to help you better understand the risks facing your retirement. Very excited about today's show. I've got one of my, what I would consider a friend, an individual we've had an opportunity to have on the show before, to come back and talk about elder financial abuse, something that we talk a little about, but nothing like we should, in my opinion. And to help me today, I've got Dr. Peter Lichtenberg. He is a professor at Wayne State University and runs a site, olderadultnesteg.com, which we'll talk a little bit more about today as we go through the show. And we'll give you information as we end the show on how you can learn more about solving some of these issues that we're seeing retirees have as it relates to elder abuse. So Peter, welcome to the show. I'm thrilled to be here, Dave. Thanks for having me back. Really excited to have you back. Maybe you could talk a little more than I have about what you do in this elder abuse space that we're going to cover today.
1: Great. Love to. So I am a clinical geropsychologist. That's somebody who is trained in clinical psychology, but specialized in working with older people also did a postdoc, Geriatric Neuropsychology, which is really about dementia, assessments for dementia like Alzheimer's disease and so forth. Over my career, I've put all that together and applied it to the financial world and uh, financial decision-making, financial exploitation, and uh, financial management. And in this financial exploitation space, we do quite a bit of work. You can find a lot of our tools and resources and references on olderadultnestag.com. We have a landing page for older people. We have a landing page for professionals and for caregivers, and there's tools for everybody. We continue, Dave, to do both clinical work, intervention work in this area, but also research. And
0: as we do this research, we continue to learn more lessons. When you were on the show last time, we talked about just the stuff you've done for years. I referred to you as the most educated person in the country on this topic. You hedged me today. I'm not sure that that's me, but as you look at the books you've written, the studies you've done, when you go back even a year ago when we were together, so much great information. It was something that I was starting to catch in my radar because of COVID. It seemed like it was an area that started to spike because of COVID. What are you seeing from the frequency of this happening? Is it something that we're going to see more and more of over the the next decade or so,
1: we are seeing it more and more. And you know, uh, Dave, we're actually seeing it across the adult life course. We've seen a huge jump in people in their twenties or under twenty in terms of being victims of scams. Really interesting uh, data from the FBI showed that older people don't necessarily uh, get scammed more often than younger people, um, people in their thirties and forties. However, the amount of money they lose is almost twice as much. And of course, being in that retirement age, as you were discussing, they don't have the time or the ability to make up for those losses financially. So it's a huge problem, and they're really becoming targeted more and more. I think artificial intelligence is really being used to try to exploit older people, the more and more sophisticated approaches to scams.
0: Is there a definition out there, too, maybe we could share with the listeners, for those that aren't familiar with this, what elder financial abuse is? What would that be defined as as we look across the spectrum? Thank you. It is
1: the misappropriation of an older person's funds by theft or scams. It can be by family, and we'll talk about that, or other trusted others, because that's important to talk about. It can be by straight, the stranger scam. It's not including identity theft. That's sort of a different topic. Elder mistreatment, which is a term you'll hear sometimes in the medical world, refers to when a trusted relationship goes sour and there really is abuse, whether it's financial or financial and other forms of abuse of an older person.
0: So let's talk a little bit now that that we have a good definition there about some of the new research. As you guys continue to study this topic, what are some of the key things that you're seeing come out of what you're studying now?
1: Two things I want to share with you today, Dave, from the new research on exploitation, looking at those who are exploited by a trusted other versus a stranger. And it's kind of sobering, the results. Those who are exploited by a trusted other lose more money, have higher levels of stress, anxiety, depression, and poor physical health. So Even in this exploitation space, there's differential impacts. And, you know, 60% of all elder financial exploitation is done by family or
0: friends. Well, that's shocking as we look at the trust that we have to put in those people. And many times when you get into a physical situation, maybe a mental situation where you can't make those decisions, any takeaways you're getting to help reduce the chance of this happening? Yes. So that's the good news. This is the third thing I wanted to talk to you about today,
1: which is a new program that we created and that we're piloting, which is a financial exploitation prevention program. And I'll just kind of sketch out for you the things that we try to do. It's a one-on-one program. It's three sessions, about 20, 30 minutes each. And it's really a person-centered education program. We tailor it to the person's wants and needs. First thing we do, though, is find out about their financial vulnerability. So we use the tools on Older Adult Nutstake, the Financial Vulnerability Survey. And we also uh, use the objective three-item financial literacy measure. So we do that to see where they're at. Then we start to talk to them about financial exploitation, what it is, how scammers operate and what are some keys that you might see, like we have convinced a lot of people, hey, you need to use your caller ID and if you don't recognize the phone number, do not answer. Hey, if you start talking to these scammers, you are you don't realize it, but you're immediately raising the risk, especially with some AI tools that are available. If you feel pressured to make an immediate decision about something that just seems like, where did this come from? Don't do it. Stop talk to a trusted other, get some input, and you can find out that it's going to be a scam. So those are some of the general things. And then we go on to give them feedback about their financial vulnerability survey. Sometimes we find out about some relationship strain they're having about finances with a family member. Sometimes it's just a lack of confidence or budgeting. And then we tailor it. Do you want to learn more about inflation, budgeting, credit? And that's the second session is really around that financial information. And then we introduce the idea of you need to do two things if you haven't. You need a trusted advocate, though, in the best form, financial power of attorney, and you need to create a financial inventory so that people can access that if they need to act on your behalf. And that's sort of the homework. We sort of give a few weeks for people and that's sort of the homework for when we pick up with them for the third session. We cover things, how that is going and things they may not have gotten all the answers to. We're finding uh, people don't often understand inflation. They really have no idea. Yeah, you know, we use it in our vocabulary all the time. The news does too, but they never really define it. That's a fascinating kind of thing. And people have no idea where to start on budgeting.
0: No. I'm living through that right now, Peter, and I would love some of your feedback as we go through here, not only from my own standpoint, but for our listeners, because I'm sure there are many of them that are in the same boat. I have multiple family members. I have one sister now that her husband's passed away and she's not really fully capable of making financial decisions by herself. And so I stepped in being a CPA and having what I believe is her best interest at heart, but it's requiring us to buy homes. It's requiring us to look at the true financial picture of what her future work's going to look like and all these things that she really is not in a mental capacity to deal with all these decisions. It's been very difficult for her to go through here. And I've been the one doing 90% of the work. So, you know, she, sitting here going it's hard for me and I'm going well what do you think it's like for me I've had to do all of this decision making I've had to m- figure out what house I think is going to work best for you for the next 20 or 30 years obviously it's great that she trusts me and she can trust me but it's also an opportunity for someone that is not as stand up as I deem myself to be to really take advantage of this situation. Like, so I guess if we could break down maybe both sides of this equation saying, how do we best handle these things?
1: Please, for caregivers or family and friends, go to older adult nest egg and go on the family and friends page. One of the learnings that we have there, a narrated training, is on how to manage somebody else's money. How to do that so you're not commingling funds, you're not uh, illegally getting your name on a bank account, because some states, if you're a power of attorney, you cannot have a joint account. And how to keep records so that in case your siblings or somebody else really wants to know what's going on, that you can be transparent. So it does require a lot of work. You think about those three things, that's like, what? know, <laughs> Trust me, let me just spend their money. Well, no, you got you to gotta keep all these things in order. We also have a module, a narrator module. How do you look through somebody's finances to see whether they're being exploited? And one of the things that happens with dementia For example, is people start answering every mail solicitation they get because they feel like that it's not (laughs) an advertisement. It is something that they're required to do. Or, hey, I love this organization. Yeah, you've just sent four of the same $300 checks to them and you can't really afford that. As soon as they get the money, they send out a thank you with an envelope for more money. So you check through their records and their credit reports to make sure that nobody has stolen their identity. And we do a lot of work in identity theft, too. And it, it's rampant. People you know, can get help from us in the SAFE program with no charge to look through their credit reports and help them clean up their credit if there are some problems. Like if there's some identity theft, there's people who have falsified records. You can dispute credit uh, charges and get them resolved.
0: It's so important as we look at this topic, and that's why I love having you on the show. I love that we talk about this because most people don't know where to turn. They don't know where to get these resources, and you guys have done such a good job. remember a year ago, I went through your training material, and I was very excited about it. I've got so many irons in the fire, it's very hard for me to keep up with any of that, but it gave me a sense of what could and needed to be done in situations where I come across them as an advisor working with thousands of CPAs and others across the country to deal with this. I'd like to share Gears a little bit here, and again, thank you on the caregiver side. That's very important. But we, you talked about AI and some of its challenges. I'd seen an article the other day, looking through the news, where an individual they'd taken their son's voice maybe off of an Instagram or Facebook post, uh, I don't know the kid, I guess maybe it's TikTok or Snapchat, whatever it is now that kids use, but basically it mimicked all that to where a call was made and the parents fully believed that that was their child that was in distress, that they need to get a bunch of money to take care of him and all these things. Talk a little bit about where this stuff's heading and maybe any recommendations to help with this.
1: Yeah, so AI is doing exactly what you're talking about. They're using a lot of voice recognition. They're also going to use AI to collect as much information as they can from social media. Let's say that your son or grandson, let's say, is indeed on vacation in Arizona. They've collected that through the pictures on social media. Then they're going to use that with his voice to say, I'm in trouble. I need help now. The first immediate thing that we teach people is that pressure. When you feel that pressure, and we have a mnemonic that we use where we break out kind of thing, but it comes down to that. When you feel that pressure to act immediately in a way that somebody's telling you they need financial help, uh, you need to stop and not follow through immediately. Step back. You need to validate that this is real, and you could do that pretty easily. That's the sad thing about some of these scams. They're trying to get you to act. They're getting your heart rate up. They're getting your fear up. They're trying to get you to act before or you can think. And if you can remember to stop yourself and validate, then you can avoid these. But people are going to have to be careful about social media. And of course, everybody's said that for years. You know, you want to put pictures up of your vacation, wait till you come back home. (laughs) Because it just opened you up in a lot of different ways and things like that. And that's why you don't want to answer the phone numbers you don't recognize. AI is collecting that information.
0: You don't even realize something as simple as responding to a text where they're asking, this is Peter. And they've sent it to me. And I'm like, no, I'm Dave. I'm not Peter. Uh, you know, That's my friend. And then you get to this point that now they know who I am. They know who the number belongs to. They can then search additional data. In fact, I was talking to my secretary the other day and she had mentioned that some data we had out there was on the dark web, my information. Uh, You know, number one, it scares you initially. And then number two, I'm going, well, what are you doing in there that you're finding this information? But we do need to understand that stuff needs to be changed regularly, especially on passwords and stuff of that nature, because it's so easy for people to mimic anything now based upon the amount of data they have out there on us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Great points. And some of the basics, though, are you have to have someone you can talk to about money. And what we find in our research, no matter what we, whether it's a national sample, a local sample, 50% of older people say to us, at least sometimes I wish I had someone to talk to about my finances. And that's where that lack of a trusted advocate, trusted person comes in. And because there is a growing sense of financial entitlement by some subgroups of adult children to their parents' money, this has become more and more of a taboo topic. And the communication uh, privacy boundaries are much higher, I think, than they even used to be. And we have to kind of break that down for people. They really have to have someone to talk to.
0: No, I would agree with that. And it is something that people struggle to, some of they struggle to find. I know for myself, that's one of the best things that I do as a friend to those I'm friends with is we often talk about their money. And I'm completely happy to talk about that. And it's not necessarily even in a client relationship where they would expect to do that. It's oftentimes just in a friendship relationship that they'll run stuff past me. And I'm very excited to do that. One other topic I want to talk about, and I think you may also have some additional things you want to share, but that is cognitive dissonance. I've had situations where, we've got people that we've been working with that are getting scammed. We know they're getting scammed, but they cannot admit themselves that they're getting scammed. Any thoughts or comments on that issue?
1: Yes. Great topic to bring up. Cognitive dissonance is real. It's a social psychological phenomenon that was discovered decades ago. And it says, you know, my beliefs are going to hold true despite whatever evidence you show me. One of the things that we really coach people on when they talk to older people about money and the mistakes that are being made is don't go in there as the expert guns a blazing. You have to partner with them. You have to come to their side. You have to think of it more as a negotiation with a very difficult kind of negotiation. Read the book, Getting Past No, <laughs> and you really have to come over to their side. You have to understand how they see the world truly at this time. When they people feel understood, they're much more likely to then allow you to gently probe and discuss, hey, you know, I have heard about this. What do you think about it? Have you known anybody that's been in this situation? Especially like second romances and these romance scams. Did dad ever make you pay for him to come to visit you? You know, things like that. But you first have to come to their side. They have to feel like they are totally respected as an individual. They're not being talked down to. They're not being
0: ridiculed. And then you have a chance to work with them to find a solution. As you make those comments, I think about my own family right now. I've got one son who is very black and white, very, very black and white, meaning that if someone is being treated unfairly in the moment, that's as if they've been treated unfairly for the whole history of time. And we were having this conversation the other day and many times for the family, it's easy to get on him and they'll just really go after him. And at this day, we just step back and let him talk. And it was that talking that got him through. And finally, after he got done, he goes, this stuff really doesn't matter, does it? What I'm worrying about and what I'm eating everyone's time up with. But he had to come to that realization. There was no amount of talking or commenting or getting after him or saying that makes no sense that we could do to get him to that point. Autonomy,
1: identity, those are lifelong, strongly held values and core to who we are. Can't tread on those. We really have to support those if we want to even try to get somebody's behavior change, Motivational interviewing is all based on that, Dave. It's all based on coming to their side, making that partnership, and then exploring both sides of things.
0: Anything else you'd like to share? I'm not sure that we got through all the points on your research that you're, you're going through. Anything else you'd like to share? One more
1: thing I want to share, and that is our SAFE program, which does do no-cost, one-on-one uh, financial advocacy and coaching, has demonstrated that those who go through the program, whether they recover money or not, six months after our services are done, they report significantly less stress than when they started the program. That seems to me such an important finding because stress can be a killer. And reducing that stress of financial exploitation is a big
0: step in not letting finances also ruin your health. And it's great when you look at the fact that you can do that, especially in environments maybe where it's already happened because I know the trauma, you get someone that's been abused before, someone that's been held up by gunpoint at some point. Many times that trauma struggles to go away, that they deal with that the rest of their life. And I'm not saying with elder financial abuse that that still doesn't happen, but to know that there's hope and that there's some peace and that, hey, we can get through this if we work together. What a great resource to help people deal with something that really isn't pleasant for anyone to have to deal with. But many times we find ourselves in that situation. Exactly. Exactly. Couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you. Peter, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you. I hate that we have such short shows. When we have people like you, I could talk for the next 40 minutes, probably two hours going through these things. But we realize that our listeners have many other things that they need to get to. If you'd once again, just remind everybody where they can get access to your work. I know you've got a number of books. We'd be here for another 40 minutes if we talked about each of those. So we'll spare them that. But obviously you have websites and resources they can get to to really help them Start addressing this issue, whether you're someone that's in a caregiver position, whether you're someone that's a professional like myself, or whether you're someone who is going through this individually or concerned, you may go through
1: it. OlderAdultNestegg.com. all one word, olderadultnestegg.com. It's where you can go and get free information, free resources, free trainings, and uh, join over 5,000
0: people who've been trained on our tools. Well, thank you so much, Peter. I appreciate you being here today. It's my pleasure to have people of your caliber come on our show because it only makes us better as planners to get to the place we want to be. Thanks so much for having me, Dave. My name's Dave Hall. I've been your host. Look forward to seeing each of you again next week where we'll break down another risk facing your retirement. Hey, if you like what you heard and you want more retirement risk education, or you're interested in signing up for any of our many retirement-focused webinars, make sure you check out our website at retirementriskadvisors.com. We have a lot of great resources, tools, and information on retirement available to you right at your fingertips. And if you're on social media, you can find us at Retirement Risk Advisors on Instagram and Facebook. This brings us to the end of another episode of the Retirement Risks Show with our host and retirement risk expert, Dave Hall. We here at RRA don't just get you to retirement, we get you safely through retirement. Thanks again for listening, and we will be back with you again soon.